You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 389, brought to you by Quantum and Woody number one from Valiant and iFanboy listeners just like you. Podcast episode 389. I am Josh Flanagan, and with me are Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Paul Montgomery. Konnichiwa. Oh, hello. International. I don't think yeah. we've ever gone Eastern. At iFanboy.com, we like comics. We read them every week. A bunch of them are read by all of us, and then one of us picks the one they like the best. We call that the pick of the week. Write a little review about it that goes up on the site at some point on Wednesday. And then we talk about that and all the other books from the week on this podcast and uh, a couple of other fun things uh, closer towards the end. You should be aware that the parts at the beginning are not fun. They're not intended to be no, fun. No, God, no. If Serious. You're, if, if you're having fun, you should probably stop. Uh, we yeah. stopped having fun years ago. <laughs> but we keep going. Yep. Before we I just use an algorithm. <laughs> that's, that's what they don't know about you. You're constantly working in abacus. <laughs> <laughs> Get a slide rule. <laughs> Before we go with the show, there's going to be spoilers. We're going to talk about the stuff that happens in the books. And if you don't know that by now, go screw. <laughs> so, Connor, you had the pick this week. This week we come to praise both Kurt Busick, but also Vertigo for its second pick in a row. Really? Yeah. Last I week was actually- The Wake. This week is Astro City number one. I got to the end of this and I saw that it was Vertigo. I saw that he said something about Vertigo in like his little uh, afterward, and I was like, "That's a mistake." This is oh, it is Vertigo. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I don't think it was announced that way. It was announced as DC Comics. Yes, and it was, and that's why they I put just... Vertigo on there. I was like, oh, interesting. All right, makes sense. There's nowhere else to put it left. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah. if it was in the DCU. Never mind. Oh, you know what? I don't care. Astro City number one. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Kurt Busick, Brent Anderson, Alex Ross. Um, long time I fanboy listeners or viewers will know that uh, we are huge fans of this book. At least Josh and I. Paul, we haven't talked to you a lot about Astro City over the years, I don't think. No, um, but I do know this. they took this character from the original masthead of iFanboy. They used the yes. same. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> this is one of, one of our all-time favorite books collectively, um, and this is the return of the series after a long hiatus. It, it, it was back um, off and on sporadically. It's been published sporadically for the last 15 years, starting in 1995, uh, well, almost 15 years, but I'm just rounding up. Um, and it's, it's been a lo- love affair between these you know, the creators in this book, it's been published through Image, through Homage, through um, through Wildstorm, and now through Vertigo. It's basically whoever whoever will take the book, Busick will put it out. And um, it was harder to write this review this week because, and I don't know, Josh, if you feel the same way as I do, but there's the certain indefinable quality to the Astro City story. It's the combination of the writer and the artists and the characters and the setting and it's really hard to describe. It's just sort of a feeling you get, and it's a feeling I get when I don't that I don't get with any other book. It's very uh, tone based, and yeah. one of the things that I think really works in the book's favor for those of us who have a strong affinity for it um, is that it's always the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the creative team has not shuffled at all, and I think there's something really. I don't is is has uh, Alex Sinclair been the art the the oh, I don't colorist know the whole time I'm I don't know about that he's the one I know I know that Comicraft has lettered every one of them uh, mm-hmm. lettering's always been really good in this book actually uh, Ross has done every cover and Brandon Anderson has done every interior and Ross that, also does character designs sometimes yeah uh, and and so there's there is a it's a team it's a team yeah but but there's a consistency of tone and the sameness of of purpose uh, that have gone through all of them and and you're right it's hard to put your finger on what that is. Um, there's a almost there's a lack of cynicism to this book. Oh, totally. I think in contrast to whatever it is that Marvel and DC are trying to do with their superheroes from sort of uh, mini era to mini era, uh, this is this is just sort of staying standing against that, and it's exploring that 
that idea of, of what a superhero is. It's not, it seems to me it's like all those things that like Paul you like about Superman. I think that this book captures yeah yeah a lot just of that just as, as a layman as someone who hasn't read a lot of um, a lot of Astro City. I read the first trade. I've and I've read a couple of things here and there. But um, for me, you know, it start it's it all starts with those Alex Ross covers, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like diving into a Norman Rockwell Saturday Evening Post. If, if, if he did a superhero story, you know, like that's, that's sort of the feeling like I get. A, yeah, it's very much of a throwback to, you know, old world tone. Mm. And it's, well, quickly, if you don't know Astro City, Astro City is a, or the book is about the city Astro City and the denizens of it, many of whom are superheroes, some of whom are not. Um, it's all, it's, it's a city in America. It's a, it's a fictional universe that Busick has created and where all these heroes live and work and fight and, and, um, uh, as many of the stories have been about the heroes, has been about the people who just live there and happen to live there and have their lives affected by superheroes constantly being around them and giant portals opening up and you know cosmic warfare. It's it's just a very dense world that he's created, but also very accessible. So it, it's a long. It's this is issue sixty basically. He says in the back, it's if you put them all together. So this is issue sixty. There's a lot of characters. There's been a lot of history. It goes back in you know to the forties, you know to the old characters, and goes into the future. But it's always written as accessible as possible. It's very a la carte. You could, yeah. you could, you could literally pick up any of the books that exist, or any of the issues, sort of starting at the beginning of a given arc, mm-hmm. and you could read that. And 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 ninety five percent of it is going to be you're going to get you're going to get a complete story that you that you can read with that. There's certain very slight overall arcs that seem to be happening, but they're more like. The overall arcs of a city, where you, yeah. know, you can move in at any time, and you'll see tr- trends that are happening, but they will have started well before you got there. The most recent stories, those um, Dark Age ones, probably were the most connected in terms of they were the least success- successful. I thought. Yes, and I, I, w- I would say that too. They were, they were still, they were still enjoyable things about them, but they went on for a very long time, yeah. and they didn't feel so much like the rest of the book. Right. So the story of this issue is that there's a strange character talking to us directly, um, the broken man who is you know, addressing the audience, talking about the characters. And then we meet um, American Chibi, who is a character that you, on, on its face, is very annoying, but I found it, her to be very endearing in that annoyance. Um, and so she's a little chibi girl with a giant head and wears a, a, a star-spangled banner suit, and she stops some robbers. And that leads us to the main story in which a giant door appears over the, over the river, and no one knows what it is, so all the sort of heroes gather, and that's where you meet a lot of the characters from the past, like Samaritan, the Superman analog, and no one really knows what's going on. We also meet some regular people uh, who have appeared before, but you don't need to know that for the story. And, they, and then everyone sort of converges on this door, and it opens, and a giant Kirby being comes out with a giant uh, megaphone that's too loud, which I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he said, I'm, I'm, I'm the new ambassador to Earth. You know, I want to learn things. So they take the, the regular man with him and the story begins. I just, you know, it's not the most uh, complex story in the world. It's not groundbreaking. I didn't pick it because the plot was wonderful. It's just the every element of it, from the characters to the world building to the art. I mean, Brett Anderson is not a artist whose style is going to appeal to everybody, and he, even over the years, he's been a little inconsistent. But I can't imagine Astro City looking any differently. And to me, his art is perfect for this this story or this this series. And everything about this just made me happy. Uh, and I was really glad that this story was much more like the old Astro City than, than those recent Dark Age stories were. Um, and for my part, I found this very accessible. Um, just having read a few of the stories so far, and I recognize the Samaritan, of course. And um, I love that image where the Samaritan is catching a bunch of missiles under his arm, <laughs> and he, and it's like and it's like bunching up his cape. And it's just like it's an image that you feel like you'd see all the time if, you know, superheroes are flying around and, and stopping meteors and missiles and things. But it's it just shows how kind of like awkward that is yeah. to to try to, to try to do that with like five missiles under your arm. Um, and I love the sort of the Rod Serling quality to the story of that door just appearing in the sky. Um and it's sort, of, it's sort of like, you know, uh, How to Serve Man or, you know, uh, you know, or like very 50s sci-fi, how, you know, the day the earth stood still, that kind of thing. And that's very, it's very ominous and kind of scary that like we're not going to show you this, this crazy uh, show of force or anything like that. We want to show you that you can do nothing to hurt us. And then you get the close encounters thing with, you know, this, this regular everyday Joe agreeing to go up uh, wherever they, they are and to be sort of their – their envoy um, to the earth. 
I, yeah. I, I really liked that when when the the not celestial came out. <laughs> uh, and I don't care that I was just like, all right, that's what we're talking about. It's a celestial. It's fine. Right. When he came out, like I am not in, in a lot of comic books, in a lot of stories, you can be convinced that, oh, that's that's going to be bad. It's going to be something to it. But with this, I have no idea. I almost, I almost think he's not going to be a bad guy, because they've already done that story. They did it in the the confessor storyline where uh, benevolent, benevolent aliens came down, but it turned out it was a plot. Like that's a whole thing that happened. Um, but uh, you know, like it's it's sort of about the people. And I really, I loved that this went back to that character whose name I can't remember. The guy who becomes the envoy. Yeah. And I didn't even remember specifically who he was or what the story was but I was it was like I was like this is familiar this is Ben this. Ben Pullum yeah and they introduce him just you know fine yeah that's what I'm saying like for new readers no I knew I was like he's been in this before because they talked about how he'd been nervous when he moved there and there's there's a, there's a really great the camera basically moves in this in this series from uh from street level to sky level depending on who what character you're you're with and I've always liked that about this. You get to see different layers and levels of the city to, and, and, you know, different perspectives on everything. Um, and this mm. one sort of gives you both of those things. I did not love uh, the narrator, uh, Purple Sandman guy. Um, uh, but this, He's not Sandman so much as... Uh, he, just looks, he just looks like... Uh, or Daniel, actually, sort of. He just has that haircut. From, yeah. Uh, well, it's like a Morrison thing, right? I mean, it's like a guy in a white suit floating, and it's well, very metatextual. It reminds me of Sandman instantly. Sure. Um, plus the lettering, which is similar. It's a purple version of the Sandman lettering. Um, but uh, but overall, like it, you know, won me over. I, I wasn't annoyed, uh, and by the end of it, I was I was totally into it. And can I just say, I love I love the Samaritans design. He, mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. it's quite simply like I think it's my favorite Superman knockoff design. Right. Because it's it's just so clean and and it's slightly it's a different take on the cape. It's a different take on it. It's just great. It's so good. It's very golden age. It's oh, it looks good in every in every panel. Mm-hmm. It's great. So yeah. we're all happy to have Master City back. I was very excited for this. Yeah, I'm on board. Did not disappoint, Paul. You should go back and read some of those old trades. I I will. I definitely want to highly recommend them. We're going to talk more about how awesome Cryptic is later. Yes, we in can. the show. Uh, the runner-up for Pick League's All New X Men number twelve, in which the Uncanny Avengers meet the All New X Men or the All Old X Men, depending on how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a great piece about two brothers. And I, I just loved it. Yeah, I think there's, there, no, <laughs> I think there's, there's two really strong currents in this. It's, it's the brother stuff. It's the, the Summers brothers. And then also I think, um, Gene, uh, Gene, um, uh, invading, uh, Scarlet, which is mind just out of curiosity because wait, when back where we're from, she was evil. She was on the brotherhood of evil mutants or whatever. And so that's not why is she with the Avengers? What's going on? And then she gets to see in like a burst M day stuff. And what I like about this a while ago, um, years and years ago, I wrote an article for iFanboy about a time traveling uh, comic reviewer. And it's like the perspective of someone from the past talking about what weird stuff is going on in the in the comics industry and in continuity today. And you get a unique perspective when you do that clash of timelines. And this, I think, is, is a really strong example of that. Um, just, wait a minute, I thought she was evil. Um, and it's just, a, it's, a, it's just a great commentary on, on how things have changed in a, you know, not so many years. But also, so, I'm sorry, just similarly, it's, it's about how nothing has changed with right. Jean. She's a loose, loose cannon no matter what era she's in. You know, yeah, rogue comments she, on you know a big surprise. You know she's yeah, freaking out. Yeah. I really like the twist that she had after getting talked to by Kitty previously. She didn't immediately just go back and do that again. They were like, I can't believe you dug into her head. And she's like, I didn't dig in her. She was practically screaming it. I yeah. thought that was a really nice touch. And the idea that the thing is the 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 pathology of the Scarlet Witch in any given scene can be incredibly interesting at this point. You know, like. She's surrounded by mutants. Of course she's going to be self-conscious and anxious about it. You know, of course that – and she's sort of never been in complete control of her emotions, and that's sort of her struggle that's going on. They did that in a very short amount of time, I thought. Um, and then the the other thing that, that came out of this for me is just that in a very short uh, amount of uh, sort of comic book time, we've uh, we've really gotten to know uh, Havoc. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. he's a character mm-hmm. I've known in the past, but – 
they they've built him up very quickly between this book and 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 more uh, remenders on Canny Avengers into like a really like a great character, a guy who sort of stepped up and you know in, in even better than than Cyclops. He's the good brother now. Yeah, I, and it's great. It's really interesting, and, and like he's reluctant, but he you know he has to do the right thing, and I, he's been very consistent uh, from this. Is book. he Chadlow or Roblo? He, he's well. There's not really a good analog there. Okay. No. Unless, unless Rob went evil, and he's then Chad stepped it up. Got the. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just love this, and the, and again, the, the art from Stuart Inman, and, and who we're going to talk about again later as well. It continues to uh, impress. You know, this you get a lot of comic in this book. Yeah, I was just, I'm flipping through the pages, and like it doesn't look like that many pages. Like I feel like like I'm going through. I'm like, oh, that ended quick, but it didn't feel that way reading it. This has been yeah. hell of. I mean, I would have never thought I'd still be reading this and enjoying it like I am. Twelve issues in. Which is about three months. Big fin fam foom uh, splash too. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. I didn't oh. realize. He, I didn't realize he had a neck like that. Um, you can do whatever you want with him. Did either of you guys? Wow, I got either emotional or I finally <laughs> finally hit puberty. <laughs> um, did either of you guys check out Green Lantern Twenty One? Which. I wasn't I going to originally, but it was the first non-Johns issue in, what, 10 years, so I figured I should at least, you know, see what was going on with it. So, Green Lantern 21. Yeah, I had to see what he could possibly do after. Robert you know. Venditti on writing duties, Billy Tan on art duties, and um, it was fine. It's fine, yeah, it's it's a Green Lantern issue. You know what, it's it's just like reading, you know, it's like reading Green Lantern core. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's Green Lantern, it's not Jeff Johns. Um... I guess they're going in a different direction. I think I think Sinestro is off the table yeah. um, Good. with what with what Johns did, and so they're they're bringing in this other character. But then it's also this one. It's a big metaphor about rings. And uh, Carol says, "I you know I I gotta I gotta love you." Carol's to got be. to get her ring from Hal. Yeah, so she's like, if if uh, you know if I if I want to continue being a superhero, you gotta you gotta commit a bit more and. Um, so that was kind of, I don't know, wonky, but, uh, I, well, first of all, I, I just never been a big Billy Tan fan. So I have a hard time really liking the book in general for that reason. But story wise, I was into it in the beginning. Cause this is kind of what I've been wanting is just Green Lantern in, you know, Green Lanterns fighting dudes in space. It is I, was that. All, I was all into that until Larflees showed up and I was yeah, like, oh, shows up. Come I'm, on. I'm, I'm, I'm flipping through it now and Yeah. Like it looks exactly the same as all the stuff I didn't want to read, just because you know Alex Sinclair is coloring it, so it's got that same. It's 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 the Hellboy equivalent at DC. Like it always mm. kind of looks consistent, no matter who the artist is. And I don't want it. I guess I was I was hoping for just more of a clean slate, more of a clean start, and for it to be something much different. And this just feels sort of like... Well, I mean, there was things that were very different. I mean, for me, I haven't been reading the other books, so I was sort of surprised that the Guardians are gone. These old Guardians who haven't been around are now the Guardians, but they're... Yeah, all, the, all the Guardians are dead. Uh, Sinestro... Sinestro murdered them? So now Hal is in charge of the core. I like, I like that. Basically, half, you know, he's got to rebuild the core, and like half the Guardians are dead. I like that aspect the, of it. The lantern's gone out. The power battery, excuse me, has gone out. And so they're in limited supplies, which could be interesting. So you would have to, you know, see what the – maybe you get to see what the Green Lanterns would do without being able to make constructs and do it on their own, Boy, maybe. Those full-body shots of Kyle and Hal are not – <laughs> no, no, I just, I just, I just can't get into Billy Tan. I just can't. Um, I love, I kind of like Kyle's ridiculously oversized visor, though. <laughs> kind of, I mean, it's kind of looks like something from Star Trek they'd put on Jordy. Oh God, look! At oh yeah, yeah. Oh. I also, I like Kilowog has too small of a chair. He just wants a bigger chair. Why don't you just make a construct chair? There, there are things about this that were interesting. I just didn't, you know, I can't get into the, to the art. And the Larfly stuff. Daredevil Dark Knights was very well drawn. Yes, it was. I would go so far as to say I actually I really enjoyed it. It was a little overwritten. It was a little overwritten. Yes. I I was thinking the same exact term. I was like, this is overwritten, or it's like it's like a bit melodramatic. There's a lot of Bible quotes throughout. Yeah. That's always been Daredevil though. But that yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Like it felt like Daredevil's character's always been very Yeah, and yeah, I understand that. Like the the, the Roman Catholic. It was like reading a a vintage comic. Like this could have been at any point. And it totally was overwritten, but kind of was drawn really well. And I did I did quite enjoy it though. I really enjoyed it. Like I I agree with all those things you just said, but I I I went with it and it, it you know, it felt a little like classic Daredevil, which which, you know, we'd we'd run into the ground. 
it's a lovely it's a, it's a great it's a great concept too it's you know there's a big blizzard and uh matt gets mugged going home and he um forgets he's daredevil he has amnesia and so and then he goes out to to be daredevil because he's hearing things and he needs to save like a like a heart or something for this little girl in another ward of the hospital and he goes flying off the roof and then just plummets to the ground <laughs> because even though he has the you know the extra sensory abilities uh he doesn't remember all of the, all of his skill set it's in case you don't, you don't know what it is the daredevil dark knights is a anthology series you know uh, evergreen it, daredevil stories well it's avenging short-lived yeah, it's a sh- <laughs> it will be a short-lived anthology series of Evergreen Daredevil. It's gonna stories. be fun though. It's like it's like Avenging Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. So this is written and drawn by Lee Weeks, the classic Daredevil artist. And uh, I gotta say, this is this is a real anomaly. It feels like it's from another time. No, but the, why? Uh, are they, how? Why are they launching something with like? I can totally sit here and go, oh yeah, Lee Weeks, that's great. That seems right. like a really odd marketing move. It's it's aimed at. F- 35 to 55 year olds who read Daredevil 20 years ago. Yes, but. Which makes up most of the comic audience. You know what? The other thing, this weird little thing comic stories set in blizzards in the snow, I always like them. Well, the art now, the production now allows it to look really good. Yeah. You know, I, just, I, just, I just I love a snowstorm in a in a superhero story. It's just it's a great setting. I don't know. There's that great the the the, the Wade issue where he has to save those kids well, when they. Well, it's one way to it's one way to, to instantly knock down. Yeah. Murdoch. And this book also exists because it's a way to have a second Daredevil book without infringing on what Wade's doing. Because you really couldn't have somebody else. You really couldn't have like a second Batman. You know, I mean, like you, the tone is so specific in that book, you couldn't Boy, have a second. I really love the layouts in this book. Yeah, Thank Weeks you. is great. He was as a, in the nineties. He was one of my favorite artists. I mean, by he's far. Re- he's really he's doing really great work, and it feels like really good books from that era. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. So that's that's fun. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna enjoy this while it lasts. You know, I don't know. <laughs> See if we make it to the end of the arc. That we'll we'll see who you know the next artists are and everything. But. Daredevil end of days ended. Now I had I I had been oh, ended is a strong word. <laughs> Isn't this the last issue? Yeah, it was. I had really been enjoying uh, this all the way through. This was uh-huh. the, um, this was the Bendis. Last one, and I was who, who was the creative team on this? Bendis. Uh, Bendis, and, uh, and then um, I'm sorry, I'm still looking at. Uh, the other one, <laughs> still <laughs> Dark Knight. Uh, 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 hang on, here we go. Is it Sienkiewicz? Uh, it's uh, Jansen. Oh, Jansen. Right. All right, Klaus Jansen. And then a little Sienkiewicz and a little Mac. And uh, it's it's Sienkiewicz Daredevil's last story, right? It's this future yeah, tale. Yeah, this is, this is the yeah. Dark Knight Returns, basically. Uh, he dies in the first issue. Right. Yeah. And Bullseye then, kills him in the first issue? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then it's From his iron story. lung? No, that's not apparently. <laughs> and this has different ideas. They've been making this for a very long time. I know, I know. Right. Um, I'm just poking fun. And, and it's and, and Ben Yorick is trying to is trying to write sort of the chronicle of of Matt Murdock and Daredevil, and then also try to figure out what his last. It's sort of a Citizen Kane thing. His last word was Mapone, or Mapone, and um, so sort of like you know uh, Rosebud, and and then in the process, Ben Yorick dies, and what? there's. Was it There's cancer? A... Was it was it pneumonia? No, no, he got killed. He's he got always, killed. He's always out in the rain smoking. And uh, that happened last issue, right? Yeah, and then, uh... I'd actually been thrown off because I kind of didn't remember that. And we start, and, right. and basically we've been walking. This whole thing has been us walking along with Ben Urich, and now he's gone. And uh, well, the the thing is, is that Ben Urich's son has taken up the mantle, and he was told... his adopted son Timmy yeah. is Daredevil. Yeah, and, and he was told, and and he'd been being trained by Matt Murdock prior to Murdock's death. It was his sensei, and, and basically Murdoch was like, "You're gonna, you're gonna get visited by Stick, who was dead." And so uh, this, this is us trying to figure out what that means. Uh, I don't feel like I need to give away the ending, without sort of. I can just sort of. It was weird, and it, I, it is weird. I I read it digitally, and I was clicking through panel view, and I clicked next panel, and then it it does a thing where it it shakes its head at me, mm-hmm. like the panel just shakes no. I was like, wait, there's no, that's it? There's nothing and like, and, and then like I clicked out of that view and I was like, that's the last pan. What? I was like, it just ends. It just kind of cuts off. And I felt like there was maybe more. Well, there is. That could have been said. I don't know. You could write a story about this Daredevil and this character. Um, sure. I don't know that I'd want to read it. It doesn't have the Dark Knight Returns ending then, is what you're saying. It kind of does. Because that, that one, that ending was, is an ending. I mean, it's an ending that's continuing, but you it always, 
it, the story continues, but it always feels like it's an ending. Where yeah, it's, I, I feel like I need two more pages or something. Yeah. Like it's just it's just an odd beat. I don't know. Like I'm reading how how it ends at the end. I mean, like the visuals in the last page, pretty much that looks like a last page. It's just that it it wraps up really really fast. In the last three pages is basically when. when yeah, it maybe it's just the pacing of it. That's it. I don't um, know, and we've been building this issue was different than all the other ones. Because Yurik wasn't involved with it, now we're with a different character. And after spending right. seven issues with one of them and then switching to the other, it was it was a little bit jarring. There's a really great scene with the Punisher in this. There's another yeah. great scene with Nick Fury. Um, it was it was good. I mean, I I'll take I'll take any Bill Sienkiewicz inking that I can get. Mm-hmm. It looks it looked great the whole way through. This is uh, this has been still one of my favorite things that Bendis has written in, in a really long time. I really like the way um, the different artists sort of coalesced. Like, it's not just like pages, you know, one through 12 or this artist. And then it, it's like each page has a little bit of something from them on, for the most part. Um, like, there's, there's the keyboard stuff. Um, there, was, there was interesting. Go ahead. Never mind. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Go it ahead. was pretty good. It didn't end as well as I wanted it to. But overall, I really enjoyed the series all the way through. Okay. That's I was going to say he uses fat, fat, fat for typewriting. I noticed that. And I'm used to that being something else. That's, yep. yep. So. All right. And it goes on for like a full double page. Yeah, you're like following. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> That'd be a one way to end the book. Just, just a it does giant so, masturbation if you, scene. If you think about. If you think about <laughs> Which could be a metaphor for the book. I don't know. You think about a typewriter. <laughs> it does sound like a fap. It's not wrong, but culturally we've sullied it. Yeah. With the jerking off. Perfect. This episode of My Fanboys brought to you by Quantum and Woody number one from Valiant Comics. Awesome. I, I think that the test now is to make the most impossibly improbable transition to the. We are this. so good at screwing ourselves just before the sponsor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Quantum and Woody number one is an all new ongoing series of the world's worst super team. It's written by James Osmus, who wrote End of Times of Brandon Ben and Gambit. And the art by, is by the amazing Tom Fowler, Venom, and Yay. Mysterious the Unfathomable, and does work for Mad Magazine and many other publications. It'll all be on sale for you July 10th from Valiant Comics. Quantum Woody number one, the world's worst super team. I'm going, I'm going to add editorial to this. Okay. I, I think Tom Fowler is one of the best artists working in comics today. Absolutely. Bar none. And if, if, you, if you don't know, you need, to, you need to check. Goats. Check it out in Quantum Woody number one, July 10th. There you go. Uh, Swamp Thing number 21. Uh, Charles Soule is uh, getting his feet under him, getting to tell... Uh, starting to tell his story and where his swamp thing is now, taking over after um, Scott after Snyder. Scott Snyder. And uh, what, what do you guys think? I love it. Really? I'm glad. This is good. I really like the voice. I mean, we're used to sort of a solemn, yeah, swamp thing. Who's sort, you know, his avatar of the green and walks around. This is kind of just like a dude who's swamp. It's not like he's out I mean, the, calling, the, but he's the, the tone player. is still there. But he's but he has the voice of his human self. So it kind of yeah. I feel like the balance is is finally right. Like it's not too austere, um, but there's still a bit of that. You know, the parliament and stuff. Like it's it. It, it's the right balance of all of those elements for Swamp, and that that I, that's got to be a really tough character to write. Um, I love the Robin Hood Swamp thing. Yeah, it's a great design. Just Jesus says on this one. Yeah, yeah. Really, um, really that took me by surprise. God, it's Matthew beautiful. Um, yeah, um, it's it's always love when Jesus says pops up on a book. Yeah, I hope he sticks around for a little bit. Although he's great not, jock he's cover too. Um, he's doing all the covers, I think. I think if you are someone who read Swamp Thing originally in the New 52 and dropped off, then you should check out one of these issues. Check out this one. This is the start of a new arc. Uh, 21 Swamp Thing. It, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. I was trying to read him in a Louisiana accent because in the first page he talks about being from Louisiana and I never really like think about where he's from. Like a like Cajun. I guarantee. I guarantee. <laughs> I will oh God. fight for you, the parliament. <laughs> Um, uh, I was the, I was the only thing about this that I wanted to note is yeah. that I, I, I generally am, uh, I'm getting very tired of, uh, characters who are talking to themselves in the narration the entire time. But with Swamp Thing, there's, there's, n- there's no other way to do it. Cause he's yeah. lonely. He's just a dude. So, uh, so go there's to- some really great, I, I wanted to also mention there's some great, there's a great action sequence in this when those, those two guys were going after Capucine. Sure. What's their name? Capucci. I, I actually looked it up. Uh, there's a model with that name who was in the Pink Panther movies, wow. and the pronunciation Capucine, I think, is correct. Um, but anyways, there's a great action sequence, and you can like you can follow everything, and the beats were just just right. I, I, Jesus says is awesome. He's great. Um, Lock and Key Omega number five. Shit's getting dark. 
I would uh, not expect that from a book this dark from the very, 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 very beginning. I, uh, I don't. I, I thought I, it was going to lighten up at the end. I, I know a lot of people read this in trade, so I, I don't want to um, yeah. ruin any of it. But it's there's some there's some fun stuff. But he's been playing with this. There's this prom angle, so it's like sort of the you know the scream thing where you talk about horror conventions and um, who's going to die next and stuff like that. There's there's a bit of fun with that, um, and there's sort of a saw kind of choice where three characters are in a precarious situation and they're being told by some evil characters that one of them has to get thrown off this very high ledge and only two can survive um, or else they're going to dump all three of them down into this abyss. And so that's kind of a hairy situation. And then Josh walked out of the comic. It's uh, it's getting... It's, I, sat all, it, I sat all the way through Saw. I thought you walked out of Saw. I, I finished it, but it w- it remains one of my top most unpleasant theater experiences ever, along with Teaching Mrs. Tingle and Rat Race. This is this is not the uh, this is not the comic book issue that we're talking about this week where people lose limbs. So um, people lose their lives in this, but there's nothing really great. Well, people get impaled. This is the last. This is the last long mini, and then there's like a there's like two issues that follow up the mini. I think, and that ends up the whole series. Yeah, um, I don't like thinking about it. I don't. I didn't even look at the number. I just I'm just uh, reading it as it goes along. And uh, there's a there's a thing I, I kind of wasn't sure about. Like there's a ghost of the past. There's a there's a character who died a while ago that we revisit. And I don't know exactly how much I how, if I if I'm feeling that. But um, there's a it's he has to wrap up all of these loose ends. And so it's it's getting a little bit frantic. But uh, I'm still loving it. Still. Still one of my favorites. It's been books. one of the best books. Yeah. We, we don't talk about it a lot. Cause I, I read it in trade, and right. I think Josh and Ron weren't even reading it. I am. I'm behind. I like. I have so like five. I have like like four or five books, but I'm missing. One it's. I mean, it's not even like monthly. It's. It's on a you know a longer schedule than that. So it's. Uh, it might actually read better in trade. Yeah, oh, it reads great in trade, and it's it's Bob been very consistently one of the best books the last few years. Mm-hmm. Green so, Arrow twenty one. I I think that this was picking up steam for me mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. twenty specifically. And and this like, one lost you. I will say there was a hallucinogenic sequence. It's a dream sequence, as a de- which I hate, which was used as a device to show the events of the past, which was kind of interesting because those were interesting, but I, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Because how can I don't know? There's there's arrow magic or whatever going on. I yeah, I, 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 I really got to work hard. I like the art it's, a lot. It, this I thought this was worth mentioning for uh, Sorrentino's art. I thought Beautiful. I thought that at least the, one thing the drug sequences do and the hallucination is allow him to sort of go nuts with layouts and the way that panels are put together and the fact that things upside down. The whole pages, the characters are upside down, um, which is just sort of you know daring in this day and age. But I don't like. I like the idea that Grunero was a dude who had to survive on his own. And he, so he picked up a bow and arrow, and he I mean, made a bow and arrow on the island, island and survived. And I don't like the idea that it's sort of sort of avatar of the Arrow Clan. And right, there's the sword and the shield and the spear and the axe and everything, and they're building up all this like this this whole destiny thing. And that's that's when like you know Lost got really wonky when they started doing that kind of stuff. And, and then it just takes also, a, it same just for mantle. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah, and, it just takes away from the idea that he survived from with his wits and his skill you know it was it was now it's like well he was set up to survive and he's he had this power in him with the whole the whole time and it's just like uh, I, I enjoy the book but this is the kind of it gets this is the kind of thing where comics get too far up their own you know stories where they they feel like everything has to be some sort of grand you know myth, mythology and, and just and that but also just sort of the the in vogue uh segmenting of of things, there's right. going to be this tribe and this tribe, and they're in an eternal. Right. There's the red and there's the green, but then there's the the orange lanterns, and it's just. Yeah. So. And also, there's and even when I even when I do like it, and I, and I mostly enjoyed this issue. I, I I don't like the concept, but the execution I, I really liked. And but but even still, it it feels like a real you know a very good Iron Fist story. It doesn't. Yes. Doesn't necessarily feel like a great Green Arrow story, and I'm kind. I'm okay with that. Like I can roll with that. But you know, as we've mentioned, we do kind of miss the old school Ali Queen. This doesn't feel at all like that character, and that's. I mean, that's okay. It's it's consistent through this series, and I'm I'm kind of looking at it as something else, and I can deal with that. 
I, I get freaked out when bo- when bones pop out of skin, you know, like in movies or whatever. And so when I turned the page in Avengers Arena number ten and saw that the bones were sticking out, wasn't wasn't too happy. And far worse too. I mean, she lost a hand. Um, well, you know, she's bones sticking out. He he's not screwing around. Xena's <laughs> no. no. hopeless is not. I mean, I mean, you gotta. They, I love the idea that <clears throat> like it's it's like, here you go, run with it. I mean, this is the kind of thing that is 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 not happening across the street. If you know what I'm saying, right? Like, also, he had one member of the Runaways kill another member of the Runaways. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the fact that like it was like, oh man, Chase is dark. Ho-. Not a thing. Don't worry about <laughs> it. That's that is not nope. an issue. I love that kind of like quick reversal. Like, here's a huge thing. No, that's over. You're, you're, and, and, and I, it's very much in fitting with Chase's character where he's going to hang back. He's like, I'm going to, nope, hanging back. All right, cool. And then used as an instrument to, to murder a best friend. He just, uh, he just cannot matter. <laughs> just, <it's>, yeah. <clears throat> it, I, I still really enjoy this book against almost all the odds. He's the, uh, Chase is the Zeppo. It's like that, a, that, that episode of, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And this is a, a, a fill-in artist. I don't want to say that, but it's not. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, why can't I think of his name? Anyways, it's Ricardo. Bertelli, Kev Walker. Who, who, yeah, Kev Walker. Uh, who who you would remember from uh, DMZ? Uh, yeah. But it fits. Like it, it works. Uh, it's like a, it's a good choice for an alternate alternate artist. It didn't slow things down at all. Figured. And so for anyone start. looking for some hope, um, there is that. There's. It, it feels like there's a bit of a Spock remember moment at the end of the issue, and. So I'm not super worried. It's funny. I'm not tired of it. I'm not like wrap it up. I'm cool. <laughs> uh, so I think that's really neat. It's a, it's it's a fun book. Um, Paul, are you still reading Garth Ennis's Red Team? No, I lost track of this, but I I want to definitely catch up on it. <laughs> this issue was kind of uh, paired with paired with Avengers Arena. It's kind of another downer, but this oh. is the issue where the um, the main character Ethan Hawke uh, hits rock <laughs> hits rock bottom, and uh, I just want to mention it because the final page and the final panel made me laugh so hard because he's just he's just completely hit rock bottom and you know they're they're out murdering criminals and he's lonely his wife doesn't want anything to do with him he he makes a half-hearted pass at his partner who gets mad about it and this is the dirty cop story I, re- yeah. I read the first issue and it was actually I think it was my pick of the week week and it almost was the pick yeah this was the, this was is the really tale cool. of the unit in Queens the NYPD who've decided to start killing criminals and in this issue they branch out to Maine and, and kill a pedophile priest uh Catholic priest because it's a Garth Ennis book and mm-hmm. um <laughs> So, uh, sort of hits rock bottom. But this has been great. I think this this has been sort of the fun, sort of down and dirty Gareth Ennis. It doesn't go completely over the line, but you know he's he's, doing, he's telling an NYPD crop, you know criminal story, and it's been really good. And the last the last panel made me laugh, and I would tell you what it was, but it would ruin the issue. No, don't. I've actually I've got these are, I've got these issues stacked up, and I just have to start the first one oh. and catch up. I keep. It's good stuff. If you enjoy Ennis's stuff, and if you like crime so stories, I'm looking at the first issue right now, though, and it. it like, yeah, a lot of shield going on there. Listen, it's yeah. There's a bit of that. I it's, mean, like they're meeting in a backyard around a round yeah. table, and I was like, oh, that's. There's I, definitely a lot of shield. It's like the shield taken a little bit further, and also the wire. It's also, it's also dynamite, so it doesn't look that great. But uh, that's okay. This is Craig Cermak. Didn't that dude do um that Back to Brooklyn book? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it doesn't look bad. It's just it's you know it's yeah, it's right. it's dynamite. <laughs> You're still you're still reading Ultimate Comics, the Ultimate. I I I was about done. Now that we had finished President Steve Captain Rogers, <laughs> he's still the president though, right? No, he stepped down at the end of Sam Humphreys. Basically, uh, well, because in the last issue of Spider Man, he was still the president, well, wasn't listen, he? They can't, they, you know, they can't get this stuff right. All right, it's fine. No, he stepped down. He's like, I can't be the president anymore. I read that the last. I've I've been kind of skimming the last few, um, but this was uh, uh, Josh Fialkoff and uh, Carmine Dijimekin. Fantino. Yeah, the guy from the Punisher book. Oh, um, dear, 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 German, dumb, dumb. The guy from yeah, the uh, the Punisher John, book we like. John Domenico. Right. Yeah, right. not Carmine Infantino. This looks better than it's looked in a really long time to a person really like nice. me. Uh, this book, and uh, boy, over like huge over the top, um, stuff right away. It it. it Took on a very different feel than what Sam Humphreys had been doing, 
uh, basically the the Hulk uh, is busted out, uh, and then uh, Reed Richards is busted out because they're both given Infinity Gauntlets uh, to take on everybody, and and you know that because because they're bad guys in this, which is kind of I love Bad Reed Richards. That's such a great thing, you know. He's he Bad Reed Richards is is the mind. creepy as hell. Yeah, oh, it's totally creepy. This, uh, this book was gross. Yeah, it <laughs> it's was. like some really gross. Like they melted the Hulk and it's all like tumorous and stuff, and yep. it's pretty nasty. It was in the beat, Reed's head. Uh, they just beat up Captain America over and over again throughout the whole thing. It was really it was what the ultimate. What happened to Reed? I don't like. Know. Didn't he die in the flood? Doesn't that? I, I he's happen. he's died a few times. He's come back. He came back with a giant brain, like the leader. You know, he's like the Elephant Man. Yeah. It's like really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think I think that uh, Fyakov has actually really grasped the size of what the Ultimates is supposed to be better than than anybody has in a while. Uh, so it was actually it was a surprise, and I was really happy about the art, and I, I enjoyed it. It's 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 big dumb, but in a good way. Well, those are the books we're going to talk about this week. You can go to fanboy.com slash comics. You can make your pull list. You can rate and review books. And you can also choose your own pick of the week. We like to run down the top five books as voted on by the audience. Number five. This is actually a nicely spread week. Number five was Dial H from – Dial H. I almost said Dial H for Hero because that was the old book. Dial H, number 13, with 8.3%. And if you know a number that high, number five means you got a nice spread. Uh, number four, All New X-Men 12. I keep thinking about bagels now. I think it's because it's lunchtime. All new X-Men number 12 with 10% of the votes. Lock and Key Omega number 5 with 10.2%, so barely edging out uh, for the third spot. Number 2, Astro City number 1 with 13.8%. And number 1, Daredevil End of Days number 8 with 32.2% of the votes. Locks and Key are great on bagels. Oh, man. I'm hungry now. I kept saying spread. I kept picturing bagels <laughs> and spreading on butter or something delicious. It's a weird segment. I'm hungry, uh, dude. It's lunchtime. Uh, look at some user reviews. Those are some books. You can also read your user review at iPhone.com/comics. We'd like to run them down on the show. So read a couple of user reviews. Harpy A wrote of Dial H number 13, story 5 out of 5, art 3 out of 5, POW percentage 8.3%. Uh, where some comics feel frail at the edges, a backdrop meant only to accommodate the center of the story, China Mayville's world is so effortlessly nuanced, so rich in suggestive detail that it invites further speculation and whets the appetite for the whole untold story. Uh, open window man's concise descriptions of his comrades' first encounters uh, with their dials, for instance, could each in, uh, easily sustain an issue or miniseries of their own, particularly Unbled, the minor devil whose discovery of his particularly damaged dial and the heroes it calls out make him forget to be wicked. Although I've generally been less than impressed with Alberto Ponticelli's artistic contributions to the series, his work here is solid, his character portraits are consistent, and his rendering of the graffiti world is very expressive, a perfect complement to Mayville's whimsical idea with unexpected gravitas. I didn't realize before, but both of these reviews are about canceled books. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you still reading this? No, I, draw, I, I was really enjoying it for a few issues, and then the storytelling got a little bit muddled, and the, again, the sort of mythology of the characters got really complicated. And so uh, I did like a culling of my pull list, and that, this is a book that I culled. I, I did enjoy it. I did read that random Flash issue, which I did enjoy a lot. I have the first trade yeah. here in my stack that I'm going to read because I – I think you might enjoy the first trade. me that I would like it. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, at least the I first couple of issues, the sort of, the sort of wackiness of the characters that pop up and like Open Window Man and things like that. Are, it feels are sort of like a Vertigo kind of book. It definitely felt like a Vertigo book. Well, that's, that's all. That's kind of good stuff right there. Let's move on to Cancel Fest again. Uh, with uh, Neb writing about Winter Soldier 19. Uh, let's give the story a 5 out of 5 and the art a 5 out of 5. Pick of the week percentage was 0. Uh, yeah. When Ed Brubaker left this title, I have to admit that I was a little nervous. But being an open-minded reader, I am. Being the open-minded reader I am, I decided to give the new team of Jason Latour and Nick Klein a try. That decision proved to be a good one, so it saddens me to be penning this review for the final issue of the series. While Brubaker's story featured his trademark noir spin on the spy genre, Latour and Klein found a way to blend that tone into what is essentially a science fiction story. The story itself has been great fun, and this issue brings both the story and the series itself to a satisfying conclusion. Latour and Klein definitely tie off loose threads from Brubaker's storyline while also completing their own tale in a way that leaves you wanting more. I saw great promise in the series, and some of the characters were really, really interesting. Well, it'll be back because he's going to be in the movie. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be back in some it form. It won't be these people, and it probably won't be the same thing. But uh, they're going to back up a, tr- a truck to Ed Brubaker's house, and they're going to say, <laughs> He's not going to ride it. No. Well, 
Long you see the, did you see the, the photos from the movie, though? They, they basically did the costume exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. He looks like a really butch baroness. <laughs> he does. <laughs> if you want to buy an umbrella stand that looks like an elephant's foot, head on over to Amazon via ifanboy.com slash Amazon, where we get a bit of the love. You could, you could buy I, I, uh, baroness toys. I don't know. I thought we were to- – I thought uh, – never mind. I need food. Wow, that's that's your. You could right buy now. food. I mean, you can. Amazon. In the you Seattle can. area, they have groceries. And in LA, they've just started doing groceries too. There you go. Um, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I have a line. Didn't you do? Did you ever not do? Uh, what's the? the I did fresh direct? Yes. Yeah. Um. You same have a thing. Line? You do not have an Amazon line, Connor. I do, because that was the problem with fresh direct. I, I I did it, so I have experience. Okay. I'd, I'd rather just go to the store and get it. You're in L.A. now. They have good I'm only five minutes from a grocery store. I don't need to pay a premium to have them delivered to my house. That's true. Plus, you work from home, so you want to get out. I love you, Amazon. Yeah, there we go. Uh, let's talk about the book of the month. Um, <laughs> Connor, this is yeah, you also. Boy, you kind of went with the theme, huh? June book of the month, Superman's Secret Identity, uh, written by Kurt Busiek. It's drawn by Stuart Eminen. Uh, this was actually, I looked back, issue one was the pick of the week way back in 2004, I think it was. Wow. Uh, but this is the four-issue prestige miniseries that came out at a time when DC was very experimental and put a lot of, a lot of, a lot of great things. Um, and it started off as a way of Busick um, paying tribute to an old, old, old story from Elliot S. Magan and Kurt Swan that was a story about the Superboy of Earth Prime, which is Earth Prime being our world, the real world. And so it was a, it was a story about a kid in Maine who got superpowers and, and, and you know, who looked like – Him and people from Maine. He's from, he's from New England. He's like all, all you people from New England who are obsessed about New England. Yeah. Um, I, even I. You're right. You got see? okay. So um, so he, he go start, drink a cabinet. He started off trying to write a story in that world, but then he quickly realized he had a different story to tell uh, with the same sort of framework. And this is a wonderful story, one of my favorite Superman stories of all time. And it is basically the story of a man's life. It really isn't a traditional plot to this book. It's more just following this guy's life from. Teenage, memoir. yeah, from teenage, from, you know, from his sixteen-year-old high school days to to the end of his, not not his death, but to the end of his life. And uh, the story is very similar to the the original um, book he wanted to pay tribute to. In that, there's a kid named Clark Kent living in the real world. He's sick of being the butt of Superman jokes. He's got a closet full of Superman junk he gets for every Christmas and birthday that he hates. And and high school is awful because he's named Clark Kent and he looks like Clark Kent, so he's constantly bullied and made fun of and the girl he likes doesn't really doesn't really you know pay much attention other than when they walk together by themselves and and then one day he finds himself with the powers of superman and it's not like your traditional hero tale where he's you know he he suddenly dons the costume and becomes superboy there's a lot of sort of scary parts to having super, superman's powers in the real world and there's a lot of elements of that basically astro city with a license yes kind of there's a lot of that in that yes yeah and just the like I mean, the idea, like, let's explore being a superhero as it would really happen in the world, but then with the added twist of there is a fictional Superman in this story, and they all have, like, they don't really explain why he's named Clark. I mean, they kind of do, but, like, it's it's very... His parents think it's funny. Like, it's, yeah, they it's think it's, it's a cute idea. But then um, he marries a girl named Lois, and he... Well, that's what I talked about in the review. There's echoes. I mean, it's sort of the idea that this Superman story echoes throughout the yeah, yeah, like ages. Like, you know, he's named Clark Kenny. He's with the powers. He marries Lois, although she's Indian and, you know, not, not named Lane. And she's not a reporter. And, you know, there's, there's elements of it all there. Um, and it's just wonderful. And this is also drawn in the old Stuart Eminem style, which is different than the one style he uses now. That's the thing about Eminem that I think, because he's been pretty consistent for the last number of years. So people who have just discovered him now, like he used to, his stuff used to look completely different. He's had several different styles that he's gone through. Yeah. This he's was, also done some indie stuff that looks totally different. Yeah. That you know, for an OGN or something, that it's it's completely different. Um, Super talent. I loved the sense of paranoia in this. It's like imagine if the U.S. government was monitoring everything that you do. <laughs> <laughs> This is great undercurrent in it, and uh, Superman is actually afraid, and not not for himself necessarily. Although he has reason to be, because he's not quite as invulnerable as the Superman that we know from the comics, and he can be taken out 
um, by these weapons that they've developed and um, ends up in a lab in a really, really creepy sequence that was, that was really well done um, and discovers that they might have been doing – well, they were doing experiments on other people that were you know, born uh, during this, this meteor strike and there are babies involved and um, you know, dead bodies and stuff. And so it's, it can get pretty grim but there's such a great heart to it going through and it's, it becomes – a love story and a, and a story about uh, not just like a you know a man and a woman, but a, a man and his family. And, it, it, and we, um, we the, difference, the, difference, the different stages of life. The first issue yeah. is him as a teenager. Then the second issue is him in his twenties, just out of college. The third issue is him as a man in his fifties with a family. And the fourth issue is him as a gray-haired grandfather. And uh, I love the perspective of that. Yeah, it's just he, all the different things he has to deal with and worry about as uh, through the different parts of his life, and never stopping being a hero because he's a good person, but also. You know, at first he's worried about himself, then he's worried about his wife, then he's worried about his kids, and you know, it's it's a metaphor for life. I mean, this is, Josh will tell you, you you're you have kids, your priorities change. So it's you know, he's a superhero, but he's also got to worry about his his two twin daughters, and and it's it's I think there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of different elements that Busick brings to this table, and I think pairing this with Astro City this week really reminds you of how great of a writer he is, Mm. and then when he's when he's really dialed into a story, um, he brings a lot of great things to, to, to the table. And for a while, we talked about him all the time. In that early, sort of late 90s, early 2000s period, he was one of the top guys. Well, he got very uh, sick. That's a, yeah, I mean, that's he's been sick yeah. for a long time. That. And, and he got very sick, and then uh, I think he had his gallbladder removed. Something, yeah. something significant. That he's been chronically sick for like 20 years. Yeah. yeah, something else that required like a long uh, uh, recovery period. And... and but really, he is—he's one of the best guys that isn't thought of that way anymore, which I think is—is—is mm-hmm. is, is a bit of a crime. And I like that. Um, I just around the time that this was coming out, it felt like there were a lot of books that felt like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't read any in a long time out of the mainstream. Uh, it was a lot more experimentation back then, and yeah. this is this is the kind of thing that I can't imagine them doing now. You know, it's just—it's a very different take on Superman. Well, but I don't it's think it was, sell now enough to make it worth it, and uh, that's kind of a shame. Um, but it does exist, and and this is. Uh, did you read this back then, or just were you I reading this? I, I had never read it, and I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was going to be, so I started, and I was like, "This is very strange. This wasn't really what I expected at all." And uh, and because of that, um, I, I really enjoyed it, and also the issues are long. Like, well, they're chapter, they were they're double sized. They're precise. Yeah, so yeah. You, like you really. It's more like eight issues. It four. feels it, it. It felt like a like a bit of a novel. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of prose too. Yeah, and I didn't. It just. It, and it was very earnest, and that was the thing I liked about it a, a lot. And I I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know what to expect. Um, is sweet. And it's and it's not overwritten at all. I don't think. I mean, it's just it. It doesn't feel super. I mean, it it is kind of navel gazing, but it's not. It it's not obnoxious in that way. And. Yeah. The only the only false note I had with it was the the reporter um, who's following his story, and then she kind of goes insane and does this terror plot. Yeah, I thought that was carnival. perfect. If you think about the this landscape of the media right now, if someone thought they had a line on an actual Superman in the, today's media age, they would go. And do absolutely anything. Yeah, I go back and forth. It's just the way the way the character is written, the way she talks. It's a little bit overt, and um, but uh, I mean, it, it wasn't a you know, it wasn't a deal breaker for me, and I and it, you know, uh, they stuck the landing at the end, and you know, I it, it rebounded from that. So, um, but that's if I could say one negative thing, that would be it. But otherwise, I absolutely love this, and this was this has been long out of print. Um, so like by the time I got back into comics, this wasn't available to me. So I was only able to, to check into this recently and I absolutely love this. When when I was getting back in, you know, uh, way back in in the late nineties, you know, it was this kind of stuff. It was Busiek and, uh, uh, Mark Wade. Like they were the guys doing stories that made me really fall back in love with comics. And I, and I, I forget that sometimes like Astro City was one of the, was one of the first books that I collected every issue of. Yep. And I went after, and I don't know why I didn't read this. I was probably broke at the time or something. I was like, prestige <laughs> issue, fuck that. Um, yeah, so I, how I, much I, I miss I, that now? Yeah, this this is the kind of stuff that they did a lot 10 years ago. Yeah, These kind of stories that were off the beaten path. This was an Elseworlds book. 
Um, the, 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 that little logo is not on here anymore because they, they've disavowed that, but it was an Elseworlds book when it came out. Um, and pro- probably why I bought it was because of the creative team and it was an Elseworlds book. I didn't really know anything about it either. Same time that, say, you know, New Frontier came out. Yeah, around there. This is this is around the time of um, JLA versus Avengers with the music also wrote that we also loved. I mean, this this was a great time for that kind of those kind of projects. Wow. Um, but if you love Superman, it's a great take on Superman, the mythos, without it being. We're getting really nostalgic for like a, a decade. <laughs> we're, we're, we're pretty bad. We're old, but this, if you like Superman, this is a great book. It really is. It really does get to the heart of the character without it being about that specific character. Yeah, and it's, 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 it directly. Yeah. Right, and if you've ever felt like Superman was kind of problematically he's too powerful or something, like this, that kind of reins that in a bit, and it it shows you why he would be afraid, like why he would have reason to worry, even with all those powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not immortal, so I think it's it it's good either if you love Superman or don't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. Yeah. It, it is. really, it's, really, really is. Yeah, I mean, they t- they talk about how Eminem used the um, he tried to replicate the '50s magazine coloring style. He colored it as well. He didn't just draw it; he also colored it. And uh, it's just it's one of the best looking books. Just great. So you go to iFanboy.com. You can uh, find my review of that there. And let's talk about our other podcast. We have a special edition podcast of Man of Steel coming up. Speaking of Superman, next hey. week, next week Man of Steel hits theaters, and we will be talking about the film when it comes out. So you'll be able to find that. Uh, on your podcast feeds after that, uh, soon after the movie comes out, we'll be talking about it. Are you, so if are you, you guys like me? I have no idea what to expect. Oh, so, I mean, Man of Steel? No idea. I'm trying uh, to stay away. I haven't even watched the latest trailer. I'm trying to stay from yeah, it. Yeah, I'm fine. Deliberately staying away from that. I mean, so that's why it's not on the site. It's because I didn't want to watch yeah. it to talk about it. Equally terrified and also excited. So yeah. you can hear us talk about Man of Steel next week. Um, and that, that's coming soon. And yeah, in the meantime, you can listen to uh, my talk explode with Glenn Weldon, the author of Superman, the unauthorized biography, and uh, figure out uh, where he was before this movie and how he got there. Um, and it's it's just it's not just about the Superman comics. It's also about the, you know, the movies and sure. all of the other appearances and um, just the legacy of Superman um, in the zeitgeist. And uh, yeah, then, I, thank you. I listened to it last uh, week. It was really good. Uh, and then we'll be doing a book explode on Superman Birthright. Uh, I, and I'm probably going to put that out after the movie's out so we can maybe talk about the movie and how it, it relates to the book. And uh, Mark Wade seems to be firmly in the camp that the movie is based on the book. Um, well, they lifted some dialogue directly from it according to the trailer. Yeah. So. so, yeah. So we'll be we'll be talking about that and, and maybe our favorite Superman origin stories and – and, uh, yeah. So that's coming soon as well. It's coming soon. In the meantime, you fanboy.com. You can read my Pick of the Week review that, about the book by Kurt Busick. And you read my Book of the Month review also by Kurt Busick. It's Kurt Busick Month, that I, or week, anyway. I, I, need, I need that bagel. I've been thinking about it for the last 20 minutes. Uh, all the in-depth discussion, comic book discussion. in Los Angeles, and there are no good bagels. No, the, ba- the, the bagel, bagels near me are microwaved. It's terrible. Um, an English muffin. All the important news and discussion topics, go to ifanboy.com slash about to see our staff page. And on social network links, you can be our friend online. You can follow all the action, twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy. Oh, my God. I need a bagel. A cronut? A crumpet. Biscotti? Okay. Help me out. What's the difference between this new cronut thing and a French... uh, Crawler? Crawler, yeah. What's a... I'm not sure what a crawler is because I grew up with Dunkin' Donuts that we're just calling the not round donuts was a crawler. Crawlers are the donuts that you that they're just plain and you just you dunk them. Yeah, the so stick. They used and you to call that. Coffee. They used to call Dunkin' Donuts used to call that a crawler, but now they call right. it a stick. So you go order a chocolate stick. Right, and a French crawler looks like it's a big flaky thing. Um, it's you know it it looks like it looks like a scrunchie. I think the difference is that made you out of pastry. Walk down to the bakery down the street and get yourself a French crawler easily. But if you wanted to get a cronut, then you're going to have to stand outside in line or be scalped for 20 to $30 for one. As I, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys It's three, two, six, two, six, nine, seven. With any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, your favorite pastry recipes, etc. I've been trying to figure out whether you get more donut. If you buy the donut or you buy the stick because they're the same price. Those sticks are they're pretty dense. This is what I'm saying. I you know? think that you get more with the stick. They're more substantial. Yeah. It's 
got a nice bite. That's to good. It. That's that's gonna be like a log in your stomach all day. Not if you're used to it. How are you doing? You're coming off drinking about a gallon of Sprite, right? No, I got, I got, I got, a, I got a fifty ounce Pepsi. Oh, it's a Pepsi. Okay. Yeah. yeah, from the I got the double gulp. Apparently, they took the they took the double gulp down from sixty four ounces last year because that was absurd, and now it's only fifty ounces. I didn't finish it because that would have you stole me. fizzy lifting drink. Yeah. If you dig us, you can. Write, <laughs> this is the kind of thing you look for in your comic book podcast. You can write a review on iTunes, or better yet, you can help spread the word uh, about any of the shows or any of the articles on the site. Uh, if you want to uh, link them on uh, Twitter or on Facebook or, or wherever, you pass that stuff around. That always means a lot to us. Thanks very much, and tell people about uh, about the stuff that you dig on the site. And it, oh, we're gonna go. You know, we're gonna like to banter, make jokes. Fuck it, I want to. I want a bagel. I want some food. I want lunch. Show's over. Goodbye. Show's over. You don't have to go home. You're safe.